You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City and Norwalk, California. Today on our Harbor City campus, Pastor Ken Bringus begins the new year with a message titled, There is More. In order to get there, in order to get to the more, how many of you know you don't, you don't just sit back and expect it to drop in your lap? In order for us to get to the more, we need to change. We need to be transformed. And so at the start of this new year, we're going to open up a, a brand new series called Transformed. We're going to explore how God changes us. And for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about certain areas of our lives in which we need to be transformed. Now, I want to just throw it out there because the reason we're doing this, at least the reason I felt we needed to do this, was because of several months ago, the latter part of 2018, our family did a Bible study, did a small group, life group thing within our family that was based on this very thing. In fact, this very curriculum. This comes right out of Pastor Rick Warren's church, Saddleback Church, and we, we did this curriculum, and it was so like, it was like it reset things for us as a family. And so I, I wanted to share this with you. Over the next seven weeks, we're going to look at how God changes us, and the key verse is this one. Let's read it together. Romans 12, 2. You ready? Go. Do not... When, when the Apostle Paul writes these words, when he uses that word for world, he's talking about the world's way of thinking, the, the way our surrounding culture tries to shape us into its mold. In our day, especially, that way of thinking is a way of thinking that either pushes God to the margins or dismisses God altogether. This way of thinking is shaped by our popular culture through institutions in our society like the news media, Hollywood, government, politics, social media even, even institutions of higher learning. When you put it all together, the world has a certain kind of mold that it wants to shape your thinking into. And here's the thing about that. You don't have to do a thing to get shaped the way the world wants to shape your mind. All you need to do is nothing, and the culture and environment will mold you into that. So we have to exercise some intentional resistance. We have an option. We either let the world shape our thinking, or we allow God's truth to shape our thinking. And at any given time in our lives, we're either conformists, conforming to the world's way of thinking, or we're being transformed by God's word. You'll either be conformed or transformed. So tell the person next to you, I'm not a conformist. I'm a transformer. I'm just kidding. I, you know, <laughs> you want to be a transformer, man. You want to be someone who is changed and who changes the world around you for the glory of God. So for the next several weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to look at several different areas of your life. We're going to look at your spiritual life. We're going to look at your emotional life, your relational life, your financial life and health. We're going to look at your physical health, your relational health, your vocational health, what, you know, how, what it looks like for God to transform you in the area of your career. We're going to look at these seven areas, and we're going to ask God for more of him 
in these areas of our life. In order to do that, um, we're going to need to do what we always like doing at the beginning of the year. And I'm going to talk to you about this today to set all this up, okay? We need to learn to set goals. Say, set some goals. Some of you call them resolutions. Let's just call them goals today. I want to talk to you about this morning setting goals in these areas of your life. Now, we're going to get to them, but I want to talk to you just about goal setting in general, why it's important to you experiencing transformation. Because remember what I said, if you just do nothing, nothing is exactly what you're going to get. If you intentionally begin to set goals and you start to create a target for your life, then you will hit something, right? You may not hit the target, but you're going to go somewhere. So it's important to set goals. This is why. Goal setting, so you can take out your notes and write this down. Goal setting is a, say this with me, a spiritual, say it, spiritual. Some of you don't think about goal setting as a spiritual activity. You think about it as something that business people do or that athletes do, right? Um, or that your teacher in class makes you do. Goal setting is actually a spiritual responsibility. Even God sets goals. You know God has a goal for this universe? History, human history is going someplace. It's not just cycling around like many theorists believe it is. Oh, I've seen that before. Oh, I've seen that before. Oh, what's new in the world today, right? We've seen it all before, but don't be deceived. God is going somewhere with all of human history. It's going to get someplace. He is a goal setter. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose to restore and heal creation, and it includes us. Even Jesus set goals. You know, there are times in Jesus' life where he would say to his disciples, we are going to this place. And his mind is fixed on going to a place like Jerusalem. We're going here. Hey, guys, get in the boat because we are going to the other side. Even Jesus had this sort of goal-setting mentality. Now, one focus I want to bring to you in this area today is the Apostle Paul. When he says these words in Philippians 3, he says, I do not mean that I am already as God wants me to be. Did you hear that? Even the great... Oh, sorry. <clears throat> Let me put this in context. When I think of all the amazing like saints and godly people in the history of the world, I obviously think Jesus is at the top. And then my second would probably be the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul says these words. He says, I don't mean that I am already as God wants me to be. Are, are you as God wants you to be? Probably not. The Apostle Paul says, I, I'm not even there. I have not yet reached that goal, but I continue trying to reach it and to make it mine. Christ wants me to do that, which is the reason he has made me his, his own. Brothers and sisters, and he turns to the Philippian believers and he says, I know that I have not yet reached that goal, but there is one thing I always do, forgetting the past, tell the person next to you, forget about 2018, forget about it, forget about it, it's okay, you can forget about it, forget the past, <laughs> some of you need the message just on that, right? And watch this, I'm not just going to forget the past, the way I'm going to forget the past is by straining towards what is ahead. I keep trying to reach the goal to get the prize for which God called me through Christ 
to the life above. You're called to live higher than you are living right now. In terms of the way you see the world, in terms of the way you see life, in terms of the way you think about your future, you're called to a higher way of living. Paul says, I have not yet reached that, but I am striving for that goal. Paul was a goal setter, and he looked at goal setting as a spiritual responsibility and a spiritual act, a spiritual discipline, all right? So yes, it's good to set goals at the beginning of New Year's, because if you don't set goals, I guarantee you, someone else is going to direct your life. If you don't decide, here's where I'm going, someone else is going to tell you, here's where you should go. So, it's important. I love what Paul says at the end of this. He goes on to actually say, those of you who are spiritually mature, you should think about life in the same way. So, spiritually mature people, one expression of spiritual maturity is that you sit down and you intentionally think about, where am I going? What am I going to accomplish this year for the glory of God. Okay, we'll get there in a second. So goals are a spiritual responsibility. Goals are also statements of faith. Goals are statements of faith. A lot of people think that a goal is just, you know, limited to, you know, the, the business world, the world of athletics, like I said. But listen, setting goals is a spiritual habit you need to develop because goals are statements of faith. And if you are a believer in Jesus... If you've put your trust in Christ, when you set a goal, what you're saying is, I am trusting God that he wants me to accomplish such and such a goal by such and such a time. So God is involved in this process, okay? It's not just about self-empowerment. You can get that at Barnes & Noble's. There's a whole section. But godly goal setting is not just about self-empowerment. It's a statement about what you believe God can do through your life. That's what goal setting is all about in the Christian faith. It's saying, God, this is what I believe you can do in my life, watch this, as I partner with you. Because God's already doing something. He didn't wait for you to show up before he started working. He's working, and then he invites you to join him in that work. And when you set a goal, you're saying, God, I'm going to join you and partner with you, and I'm going to take the, the risks necessary to accomplish this goal within this amount of time. So goals are statements of faith. And not only are they statements of faith, they also kind of stretch your faith. You know, There's a way in which you can set a goal which actually you look at it and you go, you know what? There's no way I can accomplish that goal apart from faith in God's power. Goals can be a powerful way of expressing your faith and expanding your faith. Watch this. So, uh, don't watch that yet. Ah, I can get in there. <laughs> get that sound, sound clip ready. God, it says in Ephesians 3.20, this is out of the message paraphrase, God can do anything. Oh, I know that. But he can do far more than you could ever imagine or guess. Or dare to request in your wildest dreams. Isn't that cool? Let that sink in for a moment. God can accomplish far more than you could imagine. Now, I don't know if some of you um, are dreamers. Some, there's some people that are dreamers, you know. 
you, lo- you have a really wild imagination, and you can think about something. The Bible says, man, God can dream, he can not just dream it, he can do above and beyond what you could ever ask or dream. Whatever dreams you have for your life, whatever things that you believe you need to accomplish, God's dreams for you are always going to be more. They're always going to be bigger. And listen, the verse says he's not just a dreamer. He is actually out to accomplish, to do, to fulfill those dreams that he has in his heart for you. Tell the person next to you, God can do more. That's a whole lot more than you could ask or think. And he's always at work doing more. You know why I think Paul says this? I think Paul just wants to put us in our place. Because if you could accomplish everything in life that you wanted to accomplish without God's help, guess who gets all the credit? You get all the credit. But if you serve a God whom after you set a goal and you accomplish your goal, God says, no, I got more for you. That's good, but I got more. Then you can't take all the credit. God wants to magnify his life, himself, through your life. And so that's why he says, there's more, there's more, there's more. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. If you find yourself settling for less, you need to ask yourself, how big do I really believe God is? How great do you really believe he is? Because the size of your God will determine the size of your goal. Big goal, sorry, say big God, big goal. Tiny God, tiny goal. No God, no goal. Let the size of God determine the size of your goal. So for the next 40 days or so, I want to challenge you to dream big dreams. Not the dreams that say, man, I wish my life was like that person's life. Man, I wish I had what they had. That's not dreaming. That's comparing. And most of our dreams are built on comparing our lives with other people. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> some, some of us disguise unhealthy comparison as w- wishful thinking. Let's not do that. I dare you to reflect on your life and ask yourself, based on what I've been through, good, bad, and ugly, based on what God has taught me through my life experience, based on how God is redeeming my negative past, based on the good gifts and talents and abilities and skills and experiences that I have, based on all these things that God has given me to steward, based on all of that, what do I sincerely dream of doing for God's glory? And take the limit off of it. What can I do with my life that will bring both great joy to my soul and great change and transformation in the world around me for the better? That's moving towards God's dream for your life. And just for the next 40 days, okay? And maybe it'll become a habit and you'll carry it on past the 40 days. But just for these next 40 days, stop telling yourself that you're too old. (laughs) And all the old people said, amen. (laughs) Stop telling yourself you're too young. And all the young people said, right, all the young people at heart, right? (laughs) Stop telling yourself you're too rich. 
Stop saying you're too poor. Stop telling yourself I'm not gifted enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have what it takes. Just, just like push pause on that voice, okay? For the next 40 days. Now listen, I know we all need to embrace our limits, okay? That's important. Like we teach it, emotionally healthy spirituality, right? God gives us the gifts of limits. It's true. It's right. It's a good thing. Like we got to come to terms with the fact that many of us, most of us in this room are never going to be as smart as Steve Jobs or Bill Gates, right? Or Stephen Hawking or whatever. We're not going to ever be that smart. Some of you need to come to terms with the fact that, yes, the only place your voice sounds good is in the shower, okay? And that's okay. All right, you're not going to be singing up here. I'm sorry. Because we want to put a mic on that. All right? I, you you got to come to terms with those limits. I get that, and that's good. That's right, okay? But just for the next 40 days beginning today, I want to push back a little bit on this idea. Because we tend to arrive at this place of limitations way too soon. Like... How will you really know what your true limits are unless you challenge your capacity? You you know what I'm saying? How will you know? Like, you know, some of you are making a resolution in your mind like this year. I'm going to go back to the gym and I'm going to start working out again, right? How many of you do that? All the guys in the room, yeah, right? Yeah, oh yeah, I'm gonna go start. And then, and you know, when you start working out, you look at stuff, right? And what is it you do? You look at people that are doing stuff. You look at these guys that are lifting like 50 pounds and curling 50 pounds each, right? And you're like, I could never do that. Well, listen, of course you can't right now. You see, but how are you gonna get there until you test the capacity? Unless you challenge the limitation, you won't really know if you can get there. So don't limit yourself too soon. All right, I'm going to show you a video. This inspired me. There's this gal named um, Sister Madonna Buter, Buter or something like that, or Boober. I forgot what her name is. You'll see it here. Hopefully the sound works. They call her the Iron Nun. Anybody heard of the Iron Nun? Okay, oh, you got to watch this. It's two minutes. Check this out. Meet the 86-year-old nun who takes on triathlons after church hours. The only failure is not to try. She's the Iron Nun, also known as Sister Madonna Buter. At 86 years old, she's broken more barriers than many people half her age, competing in more than 40 Ironman triathlons, a challenge that would still be tough for someone one-fourth her age. Each triathlon consists of a 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike ride, and 26.2-mile run. Sister Madonna was first introduced to running when she was 48 years old by a priest who encouraged it as a way to harmonize the mind, body, and soul. Now, Sister Madonna has integrated training into her everyday life. She says she runs to her Spokane, Washington church every day and bikes 40 miles to a lake near her house to swim. The Agile Nun completed her first triathlon in Ireland in 1982, when she was 52 years old. And in 2005, she became the oldest woman to ever compete in the Hawaii Ironman, the same time she earned the nickname Iron Nun. More than 10 years later, she's still going strong, pushing for races to open up older age groups so she can compete, telling Cosmo, I have opened up about five age groups in my life that never existed. In fact, at 82 years old, she broke an Ironman record for the fastest finishing time in the 80 to 84 age group. It's a record that still stands today. The Iron Nun is becoming even more popular after she was recently featured in a Nike commercial, showing her running, swimming, and biking, Ironman style. 
The ad celebrates her extraordinary stamina and resilience. Nike said they chose to feature her because she's an athlete who refuses to conform to the conventional ideas of age. But that doesn't mean she hasn't faced challenges along the way. She fractured her pelvis while training a few years ago and was unable to complete the Hawaii Ironman Triathlon in 2014. But she doesn't plan on quitting anytime soon and wants to remind people that setbacks are not failures. Your effort in itself is a success. Share if you're amazed by Sister Madonna's strength. Come on, man. Hey, you know when she started running triathlons? 48 years old. I'm 46. I was looking at myself going, I, there's hope for my life, right? <laughs> Listen, I know that not everybody, not everyone's going to be able to do this. But in some arena of your life, you've got to test the capacity you got to challenge your present limitation. And you've got to set a goal that will require great faith for you to accomplish. Because goals are a statement of faith. Goals are also ways to focus your energy. They keep you from wasting time and money and reputation. They keep you focused. Focus is the key to your effectiveness. It's not like, you know, I've got all these 50 things that I'm doing. No, it's I've got these few things that I do well. The more you focus your life, the more powerful and effective your life is going to be. There's this um, article that came out in the uh, Wall Street Journal blog, and they were reviewing a bunch of the, the, the <laughs> they call it the, great, the greatest product launch blunders in the past history, recent history. It, it included products like, I don't know if you, some of you remember Google Glass. You remember that? Google Glass? It was a flop. Burger King, Satisfries. You don't even remember that, right? It flopped. How about New Coke? Anybody remember New Coke? I'm not talking about drugs, okay? I'm talking about like, Co like Coca-Cola, New Coke, all right? <laughs> you know, you're some thinking that, you know? Windows Vista? It just came and it went. There was a, even the Colgate company. They created this product called um, th this product line called Colgate Kitchen Entree. It was Colgate toothpaste trying to do like frozen meals. And so they studied these companies why these products failed, and they basically said these products failed because the company lost focus on what they do best. <laughs> so um, they, they studied um, Harley-Davidson. Harley-Davidson's lack of focus caused them to venture into trying to create their own cologne line. I don't know if you remember that. They tried to do wine coolers. They tried to do aftershaves, and all of it bombed. Um, Frito-Lay subsidiary of the Pepsi company, back in 2005, they tried to break into, of all markets, the lip balm market. Frito-Lay, who makes potato chips, okay? Guess they had one lip balm that was flavored like Cheetos. Is there any reason that it failed? Is there any, I mean, come on. Companies, these big, massive companies, 
lost focus on what they do best. Like these companies, when our lives lose focus, we fail to produce lasting results. But when we get focused, we gain tremendous momentum and power. It's like when you take the, the rays of the sun and you begin to focus them through a magnifying glass, right? You ever done that? Remember doing that as a kid? Some of you created a lot of destruction doing that, you know? But, you know, the, the focused power of the sun's rays through the magnifying glass can kill little bugs or start a fire. If you focus the sun's, if you focus light even more, it becomes a what? A laser. And there's some lasers that can cut through steel. They use some lasers to dissolve cancer and kidney stones, right? <laughs> So the power of focus, goals, focus your life. And when you set them, you look around and you begin to realize all of the things that are actually distracting you. This is why Paul says, I do not run without a goal. Instead, I fight like a boxer, let's say an MMA fighter, who is hitting something, not just the air. I'm not just shadow boxing here. When I box, I box to win. When I run, I run to win. I'm not messing around. I am focused. Tell the person next to you, get focused. Get focused. So some of you are running without a goal, and you're wondering why life feels so overwhelming and confusing. You know, some of us, uh, you see this all the time, you know, where it's hard to let go of stuff so you can focus on what's important. This is a perfect opportunity, these next 40 days, to let go of the stuff that's really not that important. There's this new show on Netflix. It's called, I think it's called Tidy. Have you seen that? Tidy, tidy something? Yes. It's, it's this Japanese lady who's like an expert, who's become this expert in cleaning up and organizing uh, houses for people, right? And one of the things she'll tell the, uh, the family is, <laughs> me and my wife were thinking about doing this. So there's this one family that comes in, and it's a husband and wife couple, and they're like, we don't know where to start. We, and she goes, okay. And you know, the Japanese were just real sublime and real unassuming. Let's start with your clothes. You know, so she comes out, and they, she says, okay, I want you to take all your clothes, and I want you to put all your clothes in the middle, in a big pile of the room, in the middle of the bed. And so they take all these clothes, and the, the, the pile is like four feet high, right? And she says, I just want you to look at the clothes. And this, the woman who's like doing this, she's like, how did I get so many clothes? How in the world did this happen? And then she says, okay, I want you to do it one by one. And I want you to ask yourself, do I really need this? Do I really like, does this piece of clothing make me feel joyful, right? And so she goes through the pile, and she literally is sorting through the pile, taking out, removing all the clothes that either don't fit her or don't make her feel joyful. <laughs> Some of you need to do that this year. You just lay it all out there in the middle, sort out your life and go, what is it? What, where, do I really need this stuff? Do, okay, let me go deeper. Do I really need to hold on to this grudge? You know, do I really need this relationship in my life? Do I really need to be spending that much time with those people? 
and you need to sort it out. Because the key to effectiveness is getting focused. All right, let's keep going. Good goals can also keep you motivated, keep you going, give you hope to persevere. Jesus, it says here, endured the cross. Why? Because he looked forward to the goal and the glory that was set before him. The ultimate goal of having a relationship with you and me, of redeeming the world and all creation. His eye was set on that larger goal, and it moved him. It motivated him forward. It caused him to press past the pain and endure the suffering of the cross. Let me tell you something. If you set a good goal, I guarantee you, you're going to suffer in the process of trying to accomplish that goal. It's going to hurt a little bit when you let go of things. It's going to hurt a little bit when you start to look at stuff and go, I don't... I need to put this behind me now, and I need to sometimes bring an end to certain things that may not be so bad, but they won't help you moving forward. And the pain of letting that go is pain. It's suffering, and none of us wants to do that. But if your goal is good, and I'm going to talk about what a good goal is in a second. If your goal is good, it will cause you to endure whatever suffering that might be. Whoa, 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 what, if I, what if I fail, Pastor? What if I don't succeed, Pastor? You can't let the fear of failing stop you. You need to set your goal and make it a long-term goal so that it keeps you from being discouraged from short-term setbacks. Because everybody's going everybody's gonna to fail. Everyone's going to make mistakes. Everyone's going to have setbacks. So you have to look at Failure a little differently. You have to look at failure as a way to success. You cannot succeed in life without failure. Why? Because that's how you learn what works and what doesn't work. So for many of you, and I'm not talking about the things that are in life that are just absolutely black and white, clear, right and wrong, okay? We're smart enough to know that when it comes to morality, and the will of God, he's very clear about what is right and wrong. But, but sometimes in the gray arenas of life, we're afraid to step out in faith because we're, we fear failure. But in those areas, just redefine it. Look at failure as, a, as an education. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, okay. So if failure was an education, then I've got a PhD, right? It's okay. It's okay. You know, if failure was an education, then all of us in the room are highly educated. We're all good at failure. Here's the key. If it's going to become an education for you, if you're going to learn from it, then you cannot waste the failure. You've got to, you've got to learn from it. You've got to look back and go, what did I do wrong there? What did I do right there? What could have been better there, you see? You get better not through experience. You get better through evaluated experience. That's how you move forward. All right. So goals keep you going. Goals also build character. <clears throat> Check this out. The greatest benefit to you in setting the goals that you're about to set over these next 40 days the biggest benefit for your life, watch this, is not going to be the accomplishments and achievements 
that you attain because of those goals. You know what it's going to be? <laughs> the best thing that's going to happen to you is, the, is what takes place inside you while you're moving towards the goal. Does that make sense? So you set the goal. As you're moving towards the goal, God is doing something in you because something in you has got to change for you to get to the goal. And one of the things that God does while you're moving towards your goals is he builds your inner character. Because God's more interested in your character ultimately than he is in your accomplishments. When you get to the end of your life and you stand before God, he's going to say, well done, all the things you did. What an amazing, look at all those accomplishments. Wow, son, wow, daughter, look at all you did. Wonderful. Is that what he's going to say? He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Good and faithful are qualities of character not just accomplishments and attainments. Come on now. All right, that's why Paul says, I'm going to keep striving toward the goal because as I'm striving for this larger goal, God is changing, God is doing something in me. I'm persevering through the suffering. So don't give up so easily. Don't shortcut the process. Don't stop short. Goals will build your character. In fact, good goals... There's actually reward for good goals. Watch this. In Proverbs 3, it says, if your goals are good, you will be respected. If your goals are good. All the men in the room said, amen. You know why? Because I know what you guys are looking for. Every single guy in this room, guess what they want? Respect. Okay, all the wives in the room, here's something I know about your husbands. You know what he wants? Respect. Okay? Ask any guy who's married. What is it you want from your wife? Yeah, I just want her to respect me. Well, then set some good goals. You'll be respected. You don't even have to be a Christian to do this. If you set good goals, you'll gain respect. We honor and respect people who aren't even Christians that set good goals and accomplish them. Because they, why? Because those good goals, in accomplishing those good goals, they gave their lives on behalf of others. So watch this. When it comes to setting good goals, the real reward is not in this life. The real reward is where? In the next life. Watch. All athletes practice strict self-control. In other words... They eat right, they diet, they sleep right, they work out, they train. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. I don't care how many championships the Lakers win, it will all fade away someday. I don't care how many 50-point games James Harden gets, I will forget about them in about a year. <laughs> all right, it's going to fade. But look. He says, we don't do it to win a prize that fades away. We do it for a, a, an eternal prize. So I run straight to the goal that's waiting for me in eternity with every purpose, or with purpose in every step. So the goals that Paul is thinking about are goals that are connected to a higher purpose that have an eternal reward. So that brings me to this. 
what kind of goals are those? What kinds of goals can I set that I know God will bless? Because you could easily take everything I've just told you right now and say, you know what, okay, God, here are my goals, bless my goals. But what if your goals are not good goals? Well, what if your goals are just to serve you? God's not going to bless that. So what kind of goals will God bless? This is how you figure it out. You ask yourself, first of all, is this, does this goal honor God? Will it bring glory to God? Will, in other words, make it simple. Will accomplishing that goal cause me to trust God more? Will accomplishing that goal cause me to lean upon him more, depend upon him more, to love him more? Will it help me and cause me to love other people more? Will it cause me to serve him and serve others and be more unselfish? If it will, those are goals that honor God and are good goals. Because it says here in 1 Corinthians, when you eat or drink, which is a lot, or do anything, always do it to what? Honor God. Yeah. Everything can be done to honor God. Sometimes it's not even the action itself. Sometimes it's the way you do it. Sometimes it's the attitude and the motive that you bring to that action that honors God. So like you can do the laundry and honor God. Or you can do the laundry and not honor God. Depends on the attitude and the motive. You can wash your car and honor God. Some of you need to wash your car. Some of you need to clean your room. You can do that. And you can do that with a sucky attitude that doesn't honor God. Or you can do it with an attitude that says, God, thanks for the opportunity to honor you by getting myself organized and cleaning my room. You see, you do it with the right attitude and the right motivation. You do it with thanksgiving and the right motivation, and it will honor God. Because it says here, we make it our goal in everything we do to what? Please God. All right? Second question you want to ask about your goals that you're setting. Is it motivated by love? Because simply put, God's not going to bless a goal that's motivated by greed. All right? He's just, that's not going to happen. You know, God bless this because I really just want to make a lot of money. You know, God bless this because I just really want all this for myself. No, he's not going to bless that. He's not going to bless a goal that's motivated by com competition. Like, I want to be better than him. I want to be better than her. I want to be better than that company. I want to be better than that family. It's not going to happen. You can try to shoot for it, but God's not going to bless it. He's not going to bless a goal that's motivated by envy. As you look around, as you look around on Facebook and all of people's, you know, lives like online that look so polished and so nice and so peaceful, oh, it's, he's not going to bless envy. You get it. When you set a goal out of love, God, I want to do this because I love you. Ultimately, show me how to love you through this. I want to do this out of love for other people. How can I serve other people? God will honor it because God is love. Everything that you do must be done with love. Love must be your highest goal. That is what the scripture says. So, is it motivated by love? And lastly, Will it require dependence on God? We talked about, about this. Will it require you to step out in faith? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I love this verse. 
When we plan the way we want to live, oh, sorry, we plan the way we want to live, but only God makes us able to live it. Proverbs 16, 9. That's what we're going to do these days. It's a partnership, right? We're going to explore the word of God in seven areas of our lives. Financial, relational, vocational, spiritual, um, mental, uh, and three others. And we're going to explore what the scriptures have to say about those arenas of our lives, and we're going to set goals. You're going to set some goals in these areas. And you're going to ask these questions. God, is this goal that I'm setting, will it require me to depend on you? So let me, let me wrap it up by saying that when we do our part, when we say, God, you know, we sang that song earlier, I exalt thee. And the verse of that song says, for thou, O Lord, art high above all the earth, that you are exalted above all other what? Gods. There are gods of this age that are, they're demanding our affection and our attention and our worship. And it's easy to set goals in accordance with the gods of this age. What I'm challenging you to do over the next 40 days is we unpack the word of God in these arenas of our lives. So you need to come back next week. And over the next seven weeks, you need to listen to this because this is going to be for you. This is going to be the best. For some of you, this is going to be the best stuff that happens for you to set your year on the right course. Okay? You need to come back. And as we unpack the scripture, you're going to do your part. You say, Lord, where do I need to change in this area of my life? And then God promises that when you step forward and you say, God, I want to change. I choose to trust you in this. God will do his part. And this is what he promises to provide. He will provide his spirit to empower you. You're not going to do this on your own. Zechariah, right? Many of us love this verse. You will not succeed by your own strength. Some of us have heard it said in a different translation. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. This is what it's saying. You're not going to succeed on your own strength or your own power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's the partnership. So God will provide his spirit to empower you. He'll provide his word to guide you. So you need to get in to the word of God. Okay? It's a partnership. Okay? It's not going to fall out of the sky. God's not going to force you to do it. You've got to put yourself in the environment, in the situation. You've got to rearrange your schedule. You've got to make the time. You've got to make space for the Lord and his word. And watch this. Especially those of you who are in business, those of you who are starting new things, you, like, you have that entrepreneurial spirit. Watch this. He says to Joshua, keep this book of the law. That's the word of God, the revelation of the scripture. Keep this book of the law on your lips. Recite it day and by night, by day and by night, so that you may be careful to follow all that is written in it. And then what? Then you will be successful and you'll successfully attain your goal. Take it to heart. If you become a man or a woman of the word of God, Success will come to your life. Don't hear, I'm going to be blessed by all these material things. No. The success really is about, are you doing what God has made you to do? Are you doing what God has called you to do? Are you fulfilling the assignment God has placed in front of you? Success. Following his voice. Okay? God will provide his word to guide you. So tell the person next to you, get into the word. Get in to the word. 
and let the word get into you. Let the word get into you. Here's the last thing you're going to need. It's probably the toughest one. You ready? God provides his people to support you. He provides his people to support you. You're not going to reach your goals on your own, especially the ones we're about to talk about in the next seven weeks. You're not going to be able to do it on your own. I guarantee you. I've tried. <laughs> you need others. Uh, this is the reason why we encourage you to join a life group, right? We've got a few in our church. So join one. Start one. For some of you know, like, pastor keeps telling me join a life group, but there's no life group that really fits like me and my family. And Okay, I get it. Start one, right? I do something to get plugged in with other people. For some of you, it's not a life group. For some of you, it's that one godly, say godly, friend. It's that one godly friend that you need in your life who can, who can walk with you, you can talk with, you can share your heart with, you can be vulnerable with and transparent with, right? Some of you need a good godly friend who can walk with you and talk with you and listen and support you. For some of you, you need an older, wiser believer who can disciple you and show you the ropes, so to speak, and teach you about the faith. How do I apply my faith in this area of my life? I don't know how. Even me, I need that stuff. You know, there was one year, uh, a few year, years ago, I went to a pastor friend of mine right here in El Segundo. I said, hey, man, I would like to learn how you parent your boys because I got two of my own. And when I listen to your stories, I'm like, man, I need to learn that. So we all need to go after the godly mentors that God has already placed in our life. You need people like that. For some of you, you need a coach. Someone to ask you questions to draw out of you what's already there. For some of you, you need just people to provide encouragement. Some of you need a, a support group. You know what I'm saying? A process your grief kind of group because you've lost a lot of things in life. And you need people in your life to help you process that grief. Go and get it. Because God is providing it. This verse says it. By yourself, you're unprotected. But with a friend, and you can put in that stuff, counselor, pastor, life group, godly friend, right? coach, you can face the worst. And a group of three is even better because a rope braided by three strands is not easily snapped. If you want to experience immediate change, start obeying the word of God, start making those changes, and you'll experience immediate change. If you want to experience sustained change, change over a long period of time, you need to get the right people in your life. Because the dream requires a team. Come on. You know I love you. And this year, we're going to experience, we're going to experience transformation. We're going to experience the more. Let me tell you what I mean by more. This is my prayer for all of you. This is the prayer for my life. This is my verse for the year, personally. Paul says to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 7, he says, And now, isn't it wonderful all the ways in which this distress, how many of you experienced distress in 2018? How many experienced just, you know, stress without the dis, right? Just stress. Yeah, yeah. I got a lot of that. Stress without the dis, okay? 
all the ways in which this distress has goaded you closer to God. Wow. Here's the result of you allowing the stress and the distress of your life and the trouble of your life move you closer to God rather than move you away from God. Because you can go that way too. He says the result is you're more, say more, you're more alive, you're more concerned, you're more sensitive, you're more reverent, you're more human. Whoa, I love that. You're more passionate and you're more, and all the young people said, responsible. Look at it from any angle. You've come out of this with purity of heart. That's my prayer for you. I want more for you. I want more for me this year. Oh, yeah. More money? Yeah, I want more money for you, too. Oh, oh yeah. More friends? Yeah, I want more friends, the good kind of friends. Yeah, yeah. More, more information? Yeah, I want more information that will help you. Yeah, absolutely. But more than all that, I want you to get to the end of this year and say, man, pastor, I'm more alive. I'm more concerned. I'm more sensitive. I'm more reverent. I'm more human. I'm more passionate about the things of God. Are you with me? Let's stand to our feet this morning. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.